You're listening to the Tag Team Podcast, the podcast that is a WWE Network companion. Currently covering 1984 WWF Tuesday Night Titans. And now here are your Tag Team Podcast hosts, Jeff Jones and John Burke. Thank you. Thank you. I'm John Burke. That's what I heard in my head. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> coming off like the president off a plane any president take your choice there you go and i am jeff jones coming at you live from my room (laughs) parts unknown live and alive i guess i could say well my day was fairly productive actually got out of the house surprisingly even with the sun blaring down as it was very angrily was a hot one cool 85 i believe is what it topped out at i actually got to visit my old hometown and meet up with a friend say hello and see the mom make sure she's doing good and i tell her back home sounds productive it was i had a john burke day <laughs> i'd do a one-uppy there kind of kick my tail last episode so i had to come back strong i gotcha <laughs> i just went to the flea market and i didn't buy anything but the better half got some dvds i guess it wasn't a total waste but man it's a long drive to the web road flea market oh yeah how was the parking was it the gravel parking or do they actually have uh, it's gravel oh. actually parked by the vendors just because they have outside your people in inside and you get a little bit closer if you park where the vendors do also actually parked with the vans and the trucks and all that yeah oh, that's a thought we got there about 11 o'clock i guess it opens at nine or eight we stayed for about i guess two hours maybe walked the whole thing did you see anything interesting any odds or ends or anything collectible they had some wrestling figures there the packaging wasn't the greatest i didn't see anyone that i'd really oh that's cool i gotta get that guy in great condition if they had some out of the package that were in good condition or ones that were packaging were bad but i'm gonna take them out anyway so it didn't matter type deal then i probably would have got that but i didn't see anything i couldn't live without some video games there and i think the prices were a little high even for playstation 3 i was gonna ask you if you've seen that dude that has all the consoles around that's hey you guys interested in a modded console i got them for sale back here play all the games you want did see some android boxes so that's slowly making its way to the flea market scene i would think that's where they started well first time i've seen it at this one but they weren't that popular last time i went i think it's been at least two years i guess when cody finally reared its ugly head to the surface now they're gonna start becoming popular yep good for them fidgets the things that the spinners are the hot item at the flea market Uh, playing with them spinning them around or selling them both i don't think too many people were demonstrating them there's like every pretty ad does oh there's not too much to demonstrate i don't guess no not too bad hold and spin it call it done there you go i'm better now have you heard anything on your mail postcard yet or get well card nothing i'm afraid that it either went to a dead address or they just said oh look at this poor sap and just tossed in a trash can that's not cool i was thinking if you heard something maybe it'd actually send out for this recipe of this episode that they encouraged me to do but i guess if they haven't even got back to you yet there's no hope for me they haven't I don't approve of that. Messed up. Reminds me of the first time I mailed the WWF. Embarrassed to say, but I was 11 years old. Seems kind of old to be embarrassed. Falling for their shenanigans. <laughs> but yeah, there was a segment, and I'll link to it, that got me to want to email and be a part of their write-in campaign. The segment doesn't cover the campaign part, but it covers the reason they started the campaign. Do you remember Brother Love? I love Brother Love. Okay, Bruce Pritchard. 
Brother Love, Hulk Hogan's on the episode, and this is the debut of the Earthquake. And he comes out there and he takes out Hulk Hogan, crushes his ribs, Hulkster's hospitalized. Had something somehow to do with Tugboat. I don't really know how the Shockmaster got involved with this, but somehow he was intertwined. <laughs> Shockmaster. <laughs> they didn't exactly announce it on TV that the two of them would team up, but I guess somehow in my 11-year-old mind, I figured that they would, so I was right in Hulkster, because that's what Hulkamaniacs do, I guess. And I didn't have any postage. I didn't want to ask my mom for postage. I don't know why. I guess I figured she would not let me mail it out or something. So I literally taped money to the outside of the envelope, and needless to say, however long it takes to get Connecticut back i got that thing back with refused it's like really vince refusing 11 year old boys letter and picture that he drew of hulkster and tugboat teaming up to take on earthquake and i think guess was dino bravo at the time it's messed up he's a cold-hearted bastard i'm telling you yep that was the first and probably the last time i'll ever i tried to mail vince McMahon. i think really where you went wrong is you didn't say your prayers and take your vitamins i couldn't get my uh, python pack there they wouldn't mail it to me, so it wasn't over age. Ah, that makes sense. I still don't agree with it, though. I think they should have at least sent you something. Maybe a WWF magazine, something like that. Sticker, put it on the outside of the envelope and send it back. Refuse postage, at least put a sticker on there. I don't know. Sign it? Yeah, be nice. Something? Nothing. Hey, good try, but Hulk Hogan's in Hawaii. Yeah, something. Pink sticker of postage refuse. That's what I got back from my local mail person. So do you even think it made it to Connecticut, or do you think they held it at the post office? It seemed like it was gone for a long time, so I don't think that it didn't go to Connecticut. It's hard to say what my 11-year-old brain considered a long time back then, so possibility it bumped around at the post office and came back. But it did go out. It didn't immediately come back. I guess it was at least four days or so. Oh, ain't bad then. Let's you just had a really lazy postal person. Possibility. Or you shipped it on a Friday. Also a possibility. I think it was, had to have been a Monday, though. I'm pretty sure this originally aired on WWF Superstars. Came on Saturday. If I would have done it. It would have probably been on Sunday. Mail wouldn't have ran until Monday. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Huh? That's my story of mailing the WWF. I feel your pain. Yeah, now it's just anticipation now. I'm waiting for something to happen. Probably nothing's going to happen. I'll forget about it, and then I'll get the return postage with a sad face. Yeah. LOL. Grow up. <laughs> No, something harsh. But it'll be politically correct, Manny. Yeah, has to be in this day and age. We regret to inform you I have a feeling that's going to start. <laughs> Vince McMahon no longer works here. I don't know, but if he did see it, I think he'd be interested to see that, oh, somebody actually watches the network. They're actually saying, oh, well, look at this. Poor Sap. Hey, he knows. He listens to the podcast. He knows. He uploaded those extra episodes of Tuesday Night Titans for us. I should have put on the back of the uh, card that I sent. I should have put on the back of it. I know that you can sing. <laughs> Wasn't done on this episode. No, no, I think it was just endless mumbling and rambling. I think that's all it was. I think there was too much singing going on. It seemed pretty dangerous. Yeah, this whole last segment was audio gold. Don't have too many things from before, but I got a ton for that. Speaking of gold, let's do some recapping. Previously on the Tag Team Podcast. Episode number nine, August 21st, 1984. We have Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon opening up the show. Vince McMahon introduces Hayes as the 
chairman of the ill-fated Tory party. And if you don't remember, go back and listen to the podcast for the secret link listed. Next, we have Wendy Richter joining the set. And we do remember that she did not get smothered by all the scary men and lips going around as she was by herself. And she spoke of keeping the belt. And she knows that Moolah wants revenge for the women's title. And she's ready and willing to get it on, as they say. Next, we have the fabulous Freebirds versus Jerry Valant, Alex Lix Smirinoff, and Max Blue. I really think they just threw Jerry, Alexa, and Max together for something for the Freebirds to do. But this was a six-man tag match with the Freebirds with the victory. Next, we move with a segment on Freddie Blassie. And we know that he did some refereeing in his off time. Wasn't the best in the world. And we've seen that Tito Santana actually come up with his own referee, which helped him with the victory. That's what I saw. Our mail segment was a very violent mail segment. We had air mail this time. First class to Alfred's right eye and forehead. The writer wrote in saying that if there was more women referees in the art of wrestling, there would be less excuses. And Vince pretty much tells her, hey, join up. Next we have for our nostalgia segment, Arnold Skolan. And we learned that he managed Bruto San Martino and also most recently Bob Backlund. Next we have Vince's favorite segment, the Little People's match, the Haiti Kid versus Dana Carpenter with a Haiti Kid victory. After this, we move to the Nikolai Volkov. He joins the set and as usual, he looks confused and deep in thought, more than likely translating what Vince is saying into Russian for the interview. And also, we get to hear his music, his singing, which he is very, very proud of. And we moved on to the Russian dancing segment. And then we have the one and only worldwide immortal Hulk Hogan. He joins the set and quickly we see him taking Mean Gene Okerlund through the ropes of training for the tag team match that they will have in the future, which we are just assuming. And next we have Cooking with Hogan, which is powder, bananas, water, and eggs. He's not human, folks. And also, the 12 Hogan Pill Pack, along with the Python Powder, will be on sale soon. So please keep your TVs tuned for this. And then at the end, we have a measurement of the Pythons. 24 inches to be exact. And that was episode number 9. Ready for some territory talk? Let's talk about it. Let's talk May 1984 timeline with territories. Territory. Wrestling territories. And for you youngsters out there, <laughs> wrestling territories is something that may be foreign to you, but at one time in the United States alone, there were 25 or 30 wrestling territories that were headquartered around the country. Last week on Territory Talk, we talked about championship wrestling from Florida. This week, we have a little bit of Mid-South Wrestling and UWF cover both entities as Mid-South would eventually go on to be called UWF. Bosley, if you would. Territory Talk, UWF Mid-South Wrestling. Mid-South Wrestling, founded by wrestler, promoter Cowboy Bill Watts in 1979. After leaving his job as booker for the Oklahoma-based company headed by NWA member promoter Leroy McGurk, Watts formed his own office, Mid-South Sports Incorporated, without NWA affiliation, and took over former McGurk cities in Louisiana and Mississippi. By 1982, Watts had gained control of McGurk's old towns in Oklahoma as well, and began to cement his reputation as one of the best promoters, bookers, and television producers in the industry, building his circuit into a powerhouse off the strength of his popular Mid-South Wrestling syndicated television show. 
as the business changes of the 1980s began to take hold, Watts dropped the Mid-South Wrestling trade name, though still did business as Mid-South Sports, and took on the brand name Universal Wrestling Federation. But never trademarked it so two other companies used it like the Japan Group and in 1990, Herbie Brom's promoter, Wrestler used the same name to start his wrestling promotion. So Mid-South Championship Wrestling, we got a little bit about them already, just through Black Saturday, thanks to Vince and TBS, they got their own deal also on TBS, as alternative wrestling programming to Vince's WWF World Championship Wrestling. They came out with a DVD, and you can get it on Amazon if you want, it's 3 set for $7.95, or if you're lucky enough to have an Ollie's, you might be able to pick it up like I did for three ninety nine. Can't beat that. It's a steal, guys. You know, you know, gotta go get it. Approximately six hour runtime on these three discs, so each one's about two hours. People like Big Cat, Ernie Ladd, Junkyard Dog, Andre the Giant, Dusty Rhodes, Hacksaw, Ted DiBiase, Jake the Snake, even a little bit of Shawn Michaels, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Steve Williams, Magnum TA, Paul Orndorff, Ric Flair. A lot of guys wrestled in this promotion as well. It's a good thing about the territories. And have your Paul Cogan's WWF guy. You got guys that jumped around all the time. All the guys were in different territories within the same year. And they're also out there on the WWE Network. Got a, a lot of stuff just added out there. So they beefed it up some. It didn't have a lot out there for Mid-South. But I think now there's probably I don't know, between everything that's out there about 43 maybe 63 episodes of Mid-South Wrestling. Starts like in 81 and the last one that's currently on there is 86 so you're saying for seven dollars i can have six hours of entertainment if you do, do the amazon thing yeah but if you do the ollies for four dollars you can have six hours of entertainment either way not a bad i don't even know why i'm still sitting here i must go get the dvd pretty good deal cheaper than a movie oh for sure probably get to see some of these guys in their prime too i think duggan probably had the most famous run in mid-south just because they pronounced his name as dugan axel <laughs> Dugan. He was always Dugan in there. And WWF Dugan. I've asked why he was always yelling, oh, because he got his name wrong. <laughs> Could be it. Moving on to the UWF. And no, it is not the Jim Ross brand. But the Japanese brand, the original Japanese-based Universal Wrestling Federation, was it a Japanese professional wrestling promotion from 1984 to 1986, formed by wrestlers who had left New Japan Wrestling. It was a pioneer in the shoot style of pro wrestling, which emphasized realistic moves, which I do like. Something that backyard wrestling can copy. I love it. <laughs> and most of the original UWF roster left New Japan yet again in 1988 to reform the UWF as the new Newborn UWF. Make sure we do our diligence. We also included a link on our webpage for Herb Abrams UWF promotion in the 1990s. And it did have some people in it like Slaughter and Sid and people like that, even though it was short-lived. Psycho Sid. Yep, Psycho Sid. I think even our own B. Brian Blair was in there for a little bit. Just non-stop packed action. Yep, it's a little 18-minute clips or like Rise and Fall of UWF Herb Abrams version so it's pretty interesting 
Hi, I am Bosley and I am here with Hulk Hogan. Hulk, thanks for being part of this promo for the new Tag Team Podcast Shop campaign. Sure, no problem. For each shirt or item sold a portion goes to the Tag Team Podcast to help fund the web bandwidth cost. We have shirts starting at $24.49. Wow, that's unbelievable. If you sold all those shirts, where's my percentage? Hulk, you don't get a percentage. Some of the money goes to the Tag Team Podcast since they are their shirts. Those are my shirts. I've got a right to sell them. Do you want to cash me outside how about that? That's not what I want. Look man, I made a mistake. I apologize. I was a real horse's ass. That's what I thought. To visit the Tag Team Pod Shop, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the Tag Team Pod Shop, all one word. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast or on the side of the web page. Do it, brother. I guess I blew that one. It's okay, Hulk. Our listening audience are used to it. That's for damn sure. And recapping the 10th episode of Tuesday Night Titans, August 28th, 1984. Remember what Vince McMahon and Alfred opened up with? I had to do some research on this because I didn't quite understand by curbing Winston Churchill's dog exactly meant... So I had to be sure it was something appropriate to talk about for the podcast. <laughs> and actually, I received multiple hits. Uh, did you get a meaning for that? I tried to get Bosley to do it, and he just like told me to bugger off or something. I don't know. He's in a bad mood. Something about Hogan. I don't know. How rude. Yeah, exactly. I got nothing. Um, curbed, meaning to pick up poop or take the dog to the bathroom. Ah. Uh. There was some curb at the flea market today. Oh, I guarantee it. A few dogs out there, and they just pooped on the road. It's like, awesome. Watch your step. Exactly. I had to listen to him say curbed a couple of times to make sure I was understanding him correctly. But yes, that is referred to him as a pooper scooper. And also, I noticed another thing on the episode intro that was on the previous episode as well. Did you notice anything that kind of stuck out? On the intro? Mm-hmm. Well, the first segment of the Tuesday Night Titans. We're not going to commercial anymore yes exactly and vince was obviously unaware twice <laughs> we're gonna go no we're not <laughs> keep it right here first time it threw him off he didn't really know what to do yeah to me it's more normal that's how it should have been all along it's kind of weird to introduce your show one minute 30 seconds let's go to commercial i take a break this is too stressful <laughs> Alfred's losing it. Exactly. But yes, then we dive into a match with Iron Mike Sharp versus Steve Gray. Did you find any information on Mr. Steve Gray? I did not. I figured it was probably too generic. Either that or after this match, he killed himself. I don't know. Actually, Steve Gray had a match recently in 2015 over in East Sussex, England. If you get embarrassed that bad, just go over the pond. They'll forgive you. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But he did win that tag match. That means anything or not. He's a promoter, I'm guessing, of that territory that he wrestled in. He is doing some promotional work, yes. Yeah, it sounds about right for the promoter to win. Most definitely. Guy's gotta be like in his 20s in the 80s, maybe in his 30s or 40s, kind of hard to tell. We'll say he's in his 30s or 40s. The guy's gotta be at least 60 or 70 by now. I was thinking the same thing. I was looking and I was thinking 
How's he still wrestling 2015? <laughs> For the promoter, do whatever you want. Sass Fern. Get out there and do a couple of front flips. Yep. Keep the body young. It's what the fans wanted, I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. They didn't want to get in there. They demanded it. Yes. We need you to do more punishment. <laughs> Pretty much what they were talking about. Build up our senior citizen audience that's been lacking coming to the shows. Oh, for sure, because can't have enough senior citizens. No, I enjoy watching these matches just for that. Sometimes it's a whole or there's not much action going on in the ring. I'll do some audience spot checking and hmm, who had front row seats? Oh, a bunch of old people. Don't see that nowadays at Raw or SmackDown. It's a young man's game now. Exactly. And the old people are gone. And they never rebuilt that generation. Thanks to us, pretty much. They started catering to kids in the 90s with their gimmicky stuff and weird outlandish personas and never built them back up. I was a never fan of the Disney style that Vince McMahon thought that we should, so... I fell for it. Can't blame me. Fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Yes, yes, you did. We'll just say that. It was good for video game business. WCW didn't have any good video games. They had the NES version, and that was really about it. Oh, yeah. I think that's what really won the war for Vince. (laughs) The video games? The video games. So... All right. On commentary on this, I think we both off-air agreed that the two people that did commentary were... We don't know! Because I couldn't make it out who it was. You couldn't make out who it was. I just guessed Red Baron and Crippler Ray Stevens because, yeah, I wouldn't be able to make them out if they don't say their names when they're commentating, so I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely bad quality, that's for sure. And one of them sounded like they had a cold, too, so... We know they're not very observant, either that or overly polite and PC, one or the other. But well, let's dive into this match. Definitely. As the match starts, we see our infamous Lou Albano pull something from his pocket and place it in the controversial padding on Sharp's right arm. That's the first thing I noticed into the match. Yep, another Lou Albano managed guy and another shady character wrestler. And from that point, when the bell went ding, he pretty much dominated him through the whole match. Of course, if he had an unknown Achilles, foreign yeah. object, oh. <laughs> yeah, an unknown foreign object being wrapped around your head, I guess that's going to happen. I don't even know if you need the foreign object. Probably just needed some kind of dissolvent or something. Glue don't know. dissolvent. So what you're saying is Superman got his kryptonite. For sure. Just a bunch of pull around by the hair, tug, pull him up, set him up for another move, grab him by the hair for everything. I don't even think the ref called it once. <laughs> That's really bad on this match. You gotta call it every time. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now what are you referring to by this glue that you're talking about? Well, sometimes people throw stuff in from the audience into the ring and I guess it looks like hair pieces and commentators think that that's what happened on this match. So you're saying there was a foreign object put into the ring? Yep, and it was passed over when the ref was doing his pat-downs to make sure no one had any weapons. Huh, so did they do a thorough pat-down or was this an NSA pat-down? It was not a good pat-down and they probably had to change the regulations and start patting other areas down because they skipped over this completely. And do you want to let us know what you observed? Well, at first I didn't notice either because I was following along with the announcers and commentators and like, yeah, okay, uh-huh, uh, yep, yep. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, didn't this guy have hair when this match started? So I go back and sure enough, yeah, he had hair. And we find out that Stephen Gray is supporting a Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan horseshoe hairstyle with a toupee on top. 
How about that? He got embarrassed and didn't even mean to. Yeah, it was fun to, once you knew what the outcome to go back and watch it and then just watch him trying to adjust <laughs> it each time and push it down after each pull. And yeah, he didn't give a crap about the match. It was all about this thing cannot come off. Well, it did. Unfortunately, it <laughs> did. Ended with a lariat clothesline and Mike Sharp gets the one, two, three. And Stephen Gray gets embarrassed out of the building. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, they could probably do that match anytime and replace the midgets. You mean little people? Hey, I'm just calling them what Vince calls them. Okay. They were not on this, and that might have been why. We had our barrel of laughs with Steve Gray's expense. Enough of the short comedy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the TNT set, and we have Iron Mike Sharp to join the set. Hooray. And he is the opposite of the other guy that joins the set later on. Yes, Mr. Sharp joins the set classic Lou Albano style, yelling and screaming about his mental state of how the fans booing him is affecting his mental state and it's not fair and he's still supporting the, the pad gimmick for his arm and he also goes on telling Vince that he's had thousands of wrestling matches and thousands of people he's invited into the ring to referring to the fans but nobody stepped up and then next we have Vince asking Sharp about his injury how it happened and how long ago it happened he doesn't have a clue when it happened um, he thinks it was broken many places somehow I was going to go with bowling accident look like a race for bowling. I can see that. And he claims that the patent has no resulting effect in his matches. He says 20 inch baby python, which was built not by python powder, not by the Hulk shake, not with steroids, and not with weights. Yeah, I can't believe he said the S word on live WWF television. It was built by swinging a big axe because he's from Canada. He does woodwork. Chopping the wood. And then Vince asked Sharp to take off the padding for the forearm to check for foreign objects. At first Mike Sharp is reluctant, but then eventually gives in and says, I have nothing to hide, obviously, because he's not in a match. And then Vince looks at it, smells it for some weird reason, and <laughs> hands it back to Mr. Sharp, saying there's, there's no excuse for this, you should believe me. And then all of a sudden, he just goes into an incredible Hulk rage and rips his shirt off, starts posing, saying this is why I'm the man, and <laughs> managing to keep his pants right above his armpits the whole time. A style for him. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting style, to say the least. <laughs> And then finally, Vince is able to get him off the stage and on to our next guest. Yep, they wanted to keep with the women theme and they didn't have any more Wendy Richter and Bula's not exactly the best person to ever bring out on television. So they went with Amy McMullen, apparently a writer for WWF Magazine. And she writes the One Women's Views section. And I did notice when she came out there, uh, she likes Alfred. She kissed him on the lips. He does get a little sugar, don't he? Yeah, I think that helps to get with her credentials and get her talked up a little bit better. During this segment, we learn her whole educational history and that she does write. And it is a good spot to show the WWF magazine, conveniently. Yeah, exactly. And as John was saying, it does show her article, A One Woman's Review. And Vince asked why she felt the need to write for wrestling. And she feels that wrestling needs good writing. It still does. <laughs> You listening? Yeah, this thing on Vince. <laughs> And we also see that in that article that she talks trash about Mr. Wonderful and that Mr. Wonderful irks her and kind of draws on her the wrong way. And she felt the need that she needed to write about him. So in the article, she exposes Mr. Wonderful that his real name is Paul Partly Jr. and calls him pathetic, which I take personally offensive. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. I do have a rhetorical from Paul, if you'd like to uh, hear that. Oh, definitely. Paul went into a little bit of rage and we were able to catch some of it. Oh, look at that. It's terrible. That is the worst piece of work that I've ever seen in my life. I don't deserve that. 
I don't deserve this. Mr. Wonderful doesn't pay for this kind of stuff like this. What's the matter with this? You think it's funny or something? This is second rate. This is Bush League. And I don't deserve it and I don't stand for it. Needless to say, Paul immediately canceled his subscription to WJPF magazine. With all rights, he should. Yeah, for sure. That's just uncalled for. Shots fired. Oh, yeah. And before she leaves, we hear that Jesse the Vadi Ventura is her next target. I mean, uh, article. Fascinated by his hair. He does have fascinating hair. He does. So after they get rid of her, they go on to a match between Tony Gurria and Kenny McDonald's, also known as Kenny with Vince McMahon saying, I got this, and a solo commentary. We get introduced to more 1980 heel with more stalling and taking forever to actually wrestle and get the gear off. It's terrible. He better be careful. Yeah. He'll get hard or grin about him, too. I noticed, just to jump way ahead real quick, I noticed they left real music in the replay. I wonder if that cost them any money. Oh, I'm sure they got the rights for that. Or maybe they're hoping nobody watches it. Better do they know. Oh, we're watching destined to watch all <laughs> somebody's watching it was an okay match i mean yeah ends up winning with a full nelson submission which i guess is his finisher or one of his finishers i think last time he did a elbow yeah nothing extravagant to report on for this match i think i could have lived my life not watching it to me he's not a really flashy wrestler i think he tries to just bully and just kind of beat down the opponent more than really anything and there's nothing really entertaining about bashing somebody in the head over and over and over nope not unless you're a cop and watch a shaw wisconsin Bazing. After we get rid of Kenny McDonald's, they go to an onset. Big John Stud is back. <laughs> And he is more angry than ever. Yes. We have cheers from the crowd, but it's not yay cheers. It's Andre chants that they want Andre. I don't have a lot on the first part of the interview other than there's a nice little bruise. It looks like some blading incident on the forehead that we never find the answer to. Spoiler. And I think it's just he don't, doesn't really know how to bleed the proper way. Possibility. I don't know how green he was back then. I think he got a start in 82. So he's been at the game for a while, but maybe doesn't bleed that often. They just basically mention a little bit about the setting the record for bench pressing and he's not gonna do it because Vince wants him to. He doesn't let people tell him what to do. He does it on his time. So in three weeks we will see the still meet the meat, hopefully. We shall see. Maybe. That could end up being another Crusher Blackwell and we never <laughs> hear about it again. Put him in the archives. Yep. So during that segment we'll say custom video of Big John Stud versus Bob Marcus. Bob Marcus, as we all know, is a more of a tag team guy and his most recent tag team action was was July 7th, 1986. It didn't last too long. He did win it in 3 minutes and 12 seconds. And the other guy got counted out. Actually, he had his own referee. Oh, Tito style. Learn from the best. I got him a new nickname. I'll make debut it next time we see Mr. Santana. Definitely. So going back to the match, I don't really know what this match was for because it was really just, I don't know, beating a line of the rabbit. Kind of what it reminded me of. Because Big John's two times as tall and two times as broad as Bob Mark. It was a David and Goliath where Goliath just destroys him. And uh, I made a note saying, I hope Bob made decent money for this guy because he sold like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he sold his ass. 
off, that's for sure. <laughs> Nothing to be wrong. But obviously, Big John Stud wins the match. No contest <laughs> for this one. I think the purpose was to get Angelo Mosca out there and let him get his shot at announcing maybe some training for Maple Leaf Championship Wrestling, just so he knows the WWF style or whatnot. But this is the first time we've been introduced to him on commentary. This was just a practice match? Yeah, didn't count. But yeah, I also observed and noted squash match, no offense from Bob Marcus. However, it did give me a nice little thing that we better have to wait till the end of the show to hear about that. Oh, definitely. All right. After they stretcher Bob Marcus off, we go back. Well, they go back on stage, get more of Stud's obsession with Andre the Giant. He fabricates his height to over seven foot and soon to be 400 pounds. And then, yeah, once again, he promises to be back in three weeks, which should be the next episode of TNT. I just like that he fabricates all of a sudden he's seven foot. He's got that Kimpatera math going. Grows instantly and gets bigger. Well, he's taking that python powder and those 12,000 pills in that little baggie. That's where he's going to grow it overnight. He's going to say his prayers and train and take his vitamins. Yep, it is going around the locker room for sure. Oh yeah, There's something going around the locker room. Except for uh, Iron Mike, he doesn't partake. Oh no, definitely not. Was in his little pad for his arm. Yep. Probably where Cowboy Bob Orton got the idea from. Probably so. <laughs> Let's mailbag this thing. Luckily, Vince warns Hayes that he might want to get a catcher's face mask for the mailbag. But whoever was throwing it did throw it accurately at the feet of the Lord. Alfred Hayes. I think last time his face was a catcher's face mask. <laughs> it was the catcher's mitt. Yeah, just bam. <laughs> I'll have to slow-mo that. Send that home. Yeah, maybe we'll make a, a gift and put it on the web Noted. page. It'll be our first gift. There we go. Sounds like a plan. The first question is from a viewer. Quote, quote, says he watched TNT for two months and has wanted to start wrestling for the WWF, mainly for the glam and the glitz. And he is advised that that's not what it's for and that he should get a lot more education in the business before attempting to try out for the WWF. And Lex Luger goes away crying. Well, he gets a better manager and comes back. <laughs> the second question they come off with as this viewer is wanting to see the Iron Sheik and Roddy Roddy Piper wrestle. Who doesn't? Everybody. Makes sense. And Vince tells the viewer that Piper is banned from TNT Titans. Uh, I'll assume the WWF as well. Quote, quote. And he asked Alfred about the situation and Alfred says, I think I want Piper to come back. And in the American way, as you say, let's straighten him out. The lead pipe that he carries around. <laughs> yeah, that's one third of a half steel or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. I got a clip for this. Who continues, by the way, to attempt to return to TNT. Mr. Piper, of course, has been banished, and I'm sure that uh, you're delighted of that. Uh, well, Alfred. you know something? I'm having second thoughts about that. Do you think we couldn't get him onto the program and, in Americanized terms, straighten him out a little bit? Alfred, I think he always straightened you out a little bit. He slapped you uh, into a week of Sundays. Oh, gosh, he slapped me so hard, my eye was bloodshot for a complete week. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, good stuff. Well, Alfred Hayes is always very calm, cool, and collective, and just accepting of pretty much about anything. Yes, he was slapped into many, many Sundays. <laughs> That's for sure. I guess they hit him so hard, he didn't remember what happened exactly. <laughs> And next segment we have here is our nostalgia segment. It is the famous George Scott. We learned that George Scott has been wrestling since he was 13, unprofessionally. He did join up on the professional circuit at age 18. And then we cut to a video of Professor Mascalito is what I got. Tanaka. That's it. Versus Monsoon. Let's go to a video of two guys that aren't the guy on the stage. It makes sense to me. Oh yeah, most definitely. A bit of 
of course, there's no commentary as the commentator was in the ring. And we have the winner being Monsoon by three count. Yeah, after the guy tries to pick him up and just falls on him. And one, two, three. That's the typical earthquake move. Could have been Crusher Blackwell. Could have been Crusher. Could have been. We find out uh, when we go back to the set that George was mainly a tag team person. And he was never, ever able to get in the ring with Lord Alfred Hayes, even though they did know each other and they sort of looked alike. It's some knowledge and interactions with Stu Hart as well. He was pretty well known all around. It's not by us. <laughs> nope. Next on the set from our George Scott nostalgia trip, we see Cowboy Bob Orton joins the TNT set. Also known as Randy's dad. And he has no cast. No cast, still. It's coming, folks. Just wait for it. Be patient. Vince asks him when he gets on the set, always have that chew in your mouth when you're on the ranch? He replies, yes. wonder if Bob Orton and Stan Hansen ever fought each other. That'd be a fun match. Both of those guys love their child. I always thought it was Terry Funk and his cowboy ego used to spit all over the camera. Uh, Stan was the worst. He would have it when he wrestled. Oh, and just come down in front of his stomach and everything. Go back and watch him Stan Hansen from 93, 94, somewhere in there, maybe even 92. It was just ridiculous. Hey, if that's your thing, and I guess that's what you like. It was definitely him turned up to 11. Mm, crazy. Very crazy. So Stan Hansen, nasty. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At least in WCW he was. Oh, well, that's trash anyway. But anyways, <laughs> once he asked me about that, we cut to a video, and it is Cowboy Bob Orton versus Pat Patterson. Or the famous announcer. I think this was his punishment for just calling a match and only talking about a guy's tights and his golf game. That's the appropriate punishment. Granted, yeah, go in there. Vince did start it in all reality. Yeah, he just did drop out, but yeah. Not not fair, but it's all right. But we did get to the introductions, and the crowd was not a fan of either wrestler, surprisingly. Can't say I blame them. I was surprised. I figured they would be for one or the other anyway. They usually try to pull a favorite. Not this go-around. Maybe they knew the finish, and they're like, ah, just boot them off. That's a good point. Both wrestlers meet in the ring, kind of like a old boxing explaining the rules anybody had any questions the bell rings Orton's ready Pat's still stretching in the corner and Orton proceeds to <laughs> unload when left and rights and kicks Pele kicks as Pat just lays in the corner helplessly and the first pinfall was probably one of the slowest counts ever Brady Blassie count not sure what the ref was looking for I think the match could have been over sooner and after the two count and they get back up you could see that Bob looks a little winded after that explosion from earlier where he unloaded on Pat Patterson but through the match, Pat does manage to get back up off the mat and then throw Orton's knee, I believe it's his knee, into the ring post to try to gain an advantage, which he did for a little while. But in the end, Orton manages to get the win with the help from Pat's tights. But granted, in which the position Bob Orton had Pat Patterson, Pat could easily grab the rope to break the count. But knowing what we know of Pat, he kind of liked it and bared his butt to everyone in the audience. Send your hate mail to John Burke at the Tag Team Podcast. Super. Vince still is the only one on commentary on this one as well. I think this is the one we almost had some moment of silence, but Vince was so loud that you could still hear him even though the mic was going in and out. Yes, I, I thought there was microphone issues as well, but I guess he was so excited. Loves watching Pat wrestle. Oh yeah. So when they come back to the studio, Vince asks him some questions about his match and about pulling the tights. And Bob replies, says that you just have to outsmart your opponent. And Vince, they go over Brawl to end it 
all as well in the famous Cheeto Santana match and how he would have won it possibly if there was more time. And he would have, most definitely. I don't know. Cheeto would have found a way to lose but he kept the belt. And one of the other statements Vince claimed that he almost took Pat's tights right off. And Orton says, and I put them right back on him when I got done. I want to yeah the cowboy way. Orton knew what was up. Oh, yeah. And then Alfred asked Orton, since Alfred actually wrestled with Orton's father, but asked Orton that knowing his father, if do you think that he would approve of your methods that he uses in wrestling now versus the methods that his dad would have used? And Orton replies that, hey, it's the strongest to survive. I thought on that match, too, Orton was pretty good at selling. He would limp and all that throughout the whole rest of the match. A lot of guys just forget to do that when they get some kind of knee injury or or an opponent's working over a body part. He did until he lifted Pat Patterson up with one arm over his head and kind of killed it for me. Post Chaw strength. Ah, that what it was? Yeah. That makes total sense. Cheer Chaw, kids. Cheer Chaw. <laughs> and your vitamins. And say your prayers. And train, most importantly. <laughs> so the next segment, we have Cowboy Bob Orton shows how to saddle a horse. And if you don't have any information on it, he pretty much put a horse on a saddle. We move on to the next segment. Well, Vince did talk to the horse and make some mistakes. Mr. Ed jokes and do some commentary. Yeah, other than that, pretty much that's all I got. So nothing exciting, folks. We'll move on. The most entertaining segment of the whole Tuesday Night Titans. Lord Alfred Hayes riding a horse. Well, that's the second most exciting. I think Vince McMahon steals the cake here as the most exciting. I don't know if you caught this, but you can tell whenever they start getting the horse ready for Alfred to ride that Alfred's not excited about this at all. He's never ridden a horse. He was offered at one time. I think he said he'd decline the offer, the invitation. And so Vince McMahon volunteers to help Alfred get on the horse. And while helping get Alfred on the horse, Mr. McMahon gets a handful of Alfred and helps him onto the horse. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately did catch that. Like, really? Is that necessary? I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> Let that one go again. At least put a glove on or something. I think Pat showed him how to help people onto horses uh, the first time, and then Vince just, oh, I guess how you do it. Moving on. <laughs> Let that dead dog lay. <laughs> So next, we go to our WWF review, or Chip Mania. It's your good old friend, B. Brian Blair, versus Gentleman, Jerry Valiant. And the only thing I really got on that match, it was already in progress. That was awesome. He threw Valiant into the ropes, turned it into a abdominal stretch roll-up, which I hadn't seen in a while. Same here. It's almost exactly what I wrote. Abdominal stretch, and then he falls to the mat with the move still applied and gets Fallon on his back, shoulders down. One, two, three. Hadn't seen it before. That is the ball game. The next up. That was our only chip. It's not really a review. It should have just had a B. Brian Blair match. Man, they could have went to commercial and come back. Yep. So next up, we hear the awful noise in band for Savatari Blambu. Yes. Entrance. He's back, folks. And he's better and boater than ever. And he's still talking super loud. Huh? Remind me home. Remind you of home, of course. Have you been home lately to uh, no, Italy? No, since the years, I will be home yet. Uh, I've been in this country, still busy, and I'm very happy. When are you, uh, do you decide, uh, do you have any plans to go back home? I think I'm going to fit you a couple of weeks and three weeks. I think I'm going to be A couple of weeks, yeah? Week oh. Okay. You can hear the guy in the background. Salvatore, speak up, speak up. 
speak up. Yes. And eventually they do bust him on at the stage manager, just like, F this trying to be secret. Our uh, illustrious uh, floor manager here is asking you to speak up, I think. But <laughs> yes, yes, I think I got that problem, and I'm very I think so too. talking, and other people don't understand me. I'm very shy. You're very I'm a very shy person. He's kind of introverted to a certain extent, although we've seen sometimes when all of a sudden Belomo starts doing cartwheels and whatever it may be in the ring, you... Seem to really come come alive. Get mad on inside to me and yes. uh, worry about nothing then. And that's I think I should be more like that in this profession. Yeah, if you want to get a title shot, have fans, make it successful, make a name for yourself, you probably should. Yes, I had noted. If you listen real carefully, you can hear him say he will be headed home soon. Going back to Italy. <laughs> Yeah, didn't learn much. Either the production people of getting better mics or something hidden somewhere to pick them up or Salvatore Palumbo. Yes, I do talk kind of quiet and I'm never going to raise my voice, so forget you. Yep, I was very happy that the production finally stood up that our guy looked. You got to speak up, <laughs> we're going to do something here. Vince, get on it. Yeah, I was too. The guy was just like... Hey, speak up, Vince. Tell him to speak up. I'm tired of whispering over here. I can't whisper any louder. <laughs> yeah, that was gold. I loved it. I addressed that pink elephant in the room whenever Salvatore Belumbo's on the TNT set. After that, we go to a match. Mr. Belumbo versus Bob Backlund. And all the Belumbo supporters. All one of them. Vince McMahon. I love the commentary on that. Blumbo seems to have a lot of supporters. One guy standing, clapping. Everyone else sitting down, doing nothing. They don't even care. They're just bad. They didn't, didn't have to go to the bathroom. Of yeah. what it was. It's like, I hope his toupee comes off. This match is going to suck if it doesn't. Oh, yeah. And even through the clip. Granted, Blumbo is getting his ass. Whooped <laughs> trying to wrestle Bob Backlund. Stupid idea, number one. Please. Yeah, it is. Vince and Alfred do talk him up and says that the American style wrestling is something he is still learning, and I firmly believe that he's still learning. Along with American style promos and everything else. It was funny to watch, and I did get a wham, a what a maneuver count from one of his drop kicks. So kudos to Vince for that little hidden gem. And thankfully for Salvatore, they didn't show the finish because I think we all know who won that one. <laughs> we'll just move on like they did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second head scissors and Bob Backlund squeezing the, his brain out. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe Bob Backlund got his vocal cords in there. There you go. Busted them up. For that match, he was Iron Mike Sharp. Very true. And then once they come back to the TNT set from the awesome clip of the video, Vince speaks of his out-of-ring talents. And Vince and Blumbo looks a little surprised. And even the producer, you can see the band. All right, hold it down. We're not done. We're not ready for you guys yet. Start in. In the confusion and start playing extremely loud and the singer is even louder as they slowly make their way behind Vince and Blumbo and eventually they just have to cut to a commercial. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's drowned out this already low talking guy with their loud music. That'll work. That's what we wanted to do. Here. No, most definitely. Because, yeah, we couldn't hear him now. We definitely ain't going to be able to hear him. They do mention the, the boat building and Salvatore said he's still working on a boat. He had to stop for a while, wait for another magazine. He wanted to make sure all the new guys were included in this new boat that he's finishing up. I'll assume that all the sails on the boat are going to have the new people's faces on it. Yep, I guess so. Maybe if we're lucky, a Paul Orndorff interview and Crusher Jerry Bagwell. You're, you're stretching your luck, sir. <laughs> Very stretching. They also talk about Big John Stud and wanted to make sure if Palumbo remembered him. Remember? Oh, I remember. 
I'm sure he does. That's 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 the guy that tossed me from pillar to post and then gave me an elbow drop. Yeah, I I remember him. <laughs> He's not gonna be here when I'm here, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's fine. Lucky for him. I'm not gonna embarrass you anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on. So the next segment, our final segment, we're going to mush these two into one segment here. Uh, Salvatore Bellambo cooks some Italian food, and he actually cooks the food. And like the other guests, as John has mentioned, don't cook. They're more of a commentator. Yep. They bring their own chefs with them, and they just, this is what they're doing. This is the food. Let me describe it. If I mess up, I got the person that made it right beside me. And we noticed that he has chef's hats for everybody. And the first thing I thought was the Three Stooges when I seen them in the chef's hats. I was hoping they'd be made out of WWF magazines, but I guess not. And have their own face <laughs> on, yep. each, on each hat. Yep. <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> but unfortunately not. They were just plain white hats. They look goofy without their faces on the hat. And we noticed that Lombo is making a pizza without a pizza roller. Yep, and Vince comments on this. Pizza? You like to... Come on. Mm, yes. Yes. All right. And then you start with... You start, where's your rolling pin? Uh, a real pizza man no use the rolling pin. They don't use the rolling no. pin? No, no. Just that my mom tell me that all the time. Mama Belomo. Mama Belomo teach me that. And then also, Alfred wanted to help in any way possible, and he thought they needed some more flour, so he adds that to it. You have powder all over your nose. <laughs> That's probably not the first time I've seen it. I'm not too sure. Let's have a little <laughs> music, baby. And Alfred gets busted for his cocaine habit on national television. <laughs> yes, I love how he makes the joke and then quickly turns to the music. <laughs> Hoping nobody would catch that. And they also turned to that music to hope we wouldn't catch something else. Oh, I have another one, actually, that you're referring to. That is, during the music segment, as they are panning back and forth, one of the main singers is not singing. Is that the one in the middle? Is that the one? It is the one in the middle. The main one. Yeah, I, th- I thought I saw him getting some eyeballs mm-hmm. from the other guy. Like, looking at him like, oh, hell, man. At least move your lips. <laughs> something. <laughs> Apparently, no one in the studio knows the words to these songs. Uh, no, not even Bulumbo himself. <laughs> Nobody has it. Tries to do a sing along like even Vince mentions to Bolombo, so you sing while you cook. Oh, I hum and pretend to, yes. It's another language, you don't speak it, you don't know the difference. Let's move on, Vince. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the short and short of it. But yes, as John was saying, there was one particular hilarious part of the segment that we did get to view. Rolling pen gate, as I like to call it. Oh, this is too much. Oh, in the pan it goes, huh? All right. So the laughter you hear was Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon and Mr. I don't need a rolling pin because I'm a real pizza man got busted by the camera using a rolling pin. You can hear him say, oh, they saw us. They saw you. Now, did he say saw us or pass the salt? No, they said they saw us. We'll play it again. They saw us. Ah! 
this horse. Let's just laugh it off as a joke. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody's watching anyway. It's fine. Yeah. And we'll never talk about it after the end at all. Black like it didn't happen. Exactly. Because it, it didn't happen. Exactly. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know either. Silly people. And then Vince goes about to speak about the pizza sauce. Ask Alfred if he knew anything about sauce. And we're going to leave that sauce joke alone. <laughs> Because he's done ripped on him once already. Yep, look at sugar. And once we have that pizza ready, just like television magic, we have one in the oven already ready to go. And before he puts that pizza in the oven, that which he just made, Vince asks Salvatore if he would do something different than what Mama told him to do to make the pizza. Something rogue that he would do to add his own touch to it. And of course, he says he never strays from Mama's recipe. Except for rolling pants. Yes. So he's lied twice. Yep. He is becoming... In my radar, the Cheeto. Cheeto. It's his new nickname. Yep, Cheeto. Cheeto Santana. He's becoming the Cheeto radar. He's starting to come up in the radar. And then we go to a commercial break and we come back and we see there is a fine wine and dine table set up for Vince, Salvatore, and Lord Alfred. And Salvatore does divvy out the food and we learn that the pizza is hot. Do not touch it. And we get to see them eat and drink wine. Did you get anything? Make any notes out of that final? Fancy glasses, paper plates. That was a nice combo there and it looks like the salad was awful because no one got any more than likely and then Vince sends us off into the sunset with next week's guests he does tell us if we want the recipe we can write though but me and Jeff both agreed off air we don't want that recipe but if anyone else does feel free screen caps still on Facebook just write them yeah I have no interest none either it looked horrible anyway yeah it looks terrible rather have some python powder I'd even take a pill pack I'd take eight raw eggs he drank the pill pack and the python powder and a non-blended <laughs> you're a brave man sir <laughs> i'm telling you a better chance of survival than that mess he cooked up without a slash pen i can't eat lies yeah he is full of them good luck getting over salvatore we wish you the best who is our guest for next week next week's show we get to be treated finally the long appearance wait of the weasel bobby the brain Heaton, buddy rogers and this character called the iron sheik maybe piper will show up and they'll break into a wrestling match. Ooh. I have a feeling that we'll probably get some kind of Iran culture thing though, because yeah, it seems to be the running gag for TNT. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we'll see what other cultures we can bash and capture here. They gotta run out eventually. <laughs> True. So did you notice anything different on this episode versus other episodes besides bloopers? <laughs> here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I did notice that when they do, I'm not sure it's every skit, but anytime they show a video you can hear the audio of them re- actually rewinding the tape and when they're doing their broadcast. Now go back to the studio. You can hear the rewinding of the tape. Be something to listen out for. It might have just been they had to turn up every mic possible to try to mic Blumbo. Very possible. And also more of the two-screen attack where you see parts of people's arms yep. kind of being cropped into the current episode. Not crazy. Yep. And I believe that's going to wrap it for episode number 10 of Tuesday Night Titans. Well, at least he tells us on this one that they will be back in three weeks to do a U.S. Tennis Open, which is what I kind of thought was about that time frame. And conveniently, that is when he will bench press 660 pounds, three weeks. Big John Studd, even though he's not listed on our guide for WWE, maybe he'll actually be there anyway. Uh. What do you want? You keep touching my leg! And with that, we thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell all your friends of the family to download the Tag Team Podcast. Follow us on social media. 
on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Tag Team Podcast. On Twitter, at Tag Team Podcast. On Google Plus, the Tag Team Podcast. Email us, at the Tag Team Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on the tagline. 6016544 tag that's 6016544824 you can also listen on soundcloud by searching the tag team podcast thank you for listening to the tag team podcast join jeff and john next week as they continue to break down wwf tuesday night titans big john's just huge it's really tough to tell just how large this man is here on television he's just a monster you stand next to me, grows every minute you stand next to him.